Welcome back, everyone, to this next edition of the Jamie J Podcast. It's great to have you here with me today. We've got a very special guest that we had on our Insiders Elite show, Paul Meredith, who's one of Canada's top mortgage brokers. He's a best-selling author, and we were so lucky to have him on the show. Give it a listen right now. Good morning, good morning, good morning. We are here again for our Insiders Elite show on Saturday morning, and we have the amazing Jamie Adam Chuck with us and Paul Meredith, and today we're going to discuss all things finance and mortgage broker. Paul is a very successful mortgage broker from Canada, and he's going to be sharing all things mortgage with us, and we're going to, as usual, um, help our businesses and talk about the businesses that are crushing it today. Uh, in today's market and then see what we can do to help you people out there, our viewers, really leverage that and crush it in this uncertain time and then take the most, uh, make the most, sorry, of this going forward in the recovery. So, um, Jamie. Let's bring it on. Welcome everyone to the show. It's awesome. Absolutely outstanding to have you here today. And I just feel so lucky, so blessed to have someone as the caliber of Paul. And Paul's going to give us a really great introduction in a moment here. But we've got, guys, we've got one of the top mortgage brokers in Canada. Yeah! We want to celebrate that. This is a big deal. With that said, Paul, I want to hand it over to you. Brother, tell us who you are, what you do, and let's have an amazing conversation. All right. Awesome, Jamie. Well, I'm looking forward to it, of course. And uh, my name is Paul Meredith. I'm a mortgage broker with CityCan Financial. Um, I've been ranked as one of the top 75 mortgage brokers in Canada since 2016. So um, it's five years now. Uh, I was ranked number 22 in 2020 just recently. I was a finalist for Mortgage Broker of the Year for, uh, for the past three years. I'm the author of the Amazon number one best-selling book called Beat the Bank, How to Win the Mortgage Game in Canada. And I'm, I was also the exclusive mortgage broker on season two of the popular real estate reality television show, Top Million Dollar Agent, which has been on Global, Slice TV, Rogers TV. And uh, it, that was a couple of years ago, but it still airs today in re reruns. Excellent. See what I was saying, everyone? We've got, we've got a virtual superstar on our hands. Paul, again, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Now, there is something magical that's happened. You being in this place, being able to accomplish all that you have, getting into that list of top mortgage brokers in Canada. Can I ask you, what's your secret? What's a little bit of your magic sauce, or at least what you can share with us today, of what's got you in that position? What can you tell us about that? Of course. Well, it's something that, I mean, when I first started in this business, I... You know, it's a business where 90% of the people who come into it fail. It's a 100% commission business. People come in, they think they're going to do mortgages for all of their friends and all of their family. And, and, uh, and of course, everybody's going to come running to give you their mortgage business. But uh, nothing, of course, could be, could be further from the truth. Uh, it's, it's not something that is easy. 90% of people who come into this business end up failing. Mm -hmm. But when I came into this business... Um, I, failure was not an option for me. I simply removed it from the equation. Uh, 
And I was committed to making it happen. Like I said, fail, failure was not an option. So uh, I was going to be successful. And, and that was the only that was the only path that I could possibly go down. And I was committed to following that path. So I set some goals for myself. I set a goal for me to um, uh, call, to just glue myself to my desk and cold call 80 realtors per day. Now, I didn't necessarily have to talk to 80 people a day. I just had to dial the phone 80 times. Now, sometimes I hit that. Sometimes I went a little over 80. Sometimes if I would start to drum up a little bit of activity, then I I wouldn't get, uh, I might only do 40 or 50, but I always strive. I I would set that goal for 80. And, uh, and I was, I was basically committed to making it happen. Um, A lot of brokers, when they come into this business, some people, they go six months before getting a deal. Uh, I got my first deal in two days. I got my second the following week. And uh, that was when it's like, okay, well, let's quit my job. I had, I had taken a, a three-week um, vacation from my previous job so I could go out and uh, see what I can do with this. It's like, look, I'm, I'm making a go of this. It's, I'm already getting deals in. Uh, the only month that I've been in this business where I have not made money was the month that I started. And then I think two months after that, but after that I've made money every single month. Um, and of course I've, uh, I've grown, uh, I've grown more and more and each year. And, and, uh, like I said, I've been on near the top of the list now for the past five years. Cool. It brings up an interesting question. You let us know that, you know, you're making money. You've made money each month. I got to ask, with what's going on, how has that affected things? Of course, we got the pandemic, we got quarantine. I mean, I'm hearing that, that house sales are totally off the market and that's not happening at all. What's the real truth? What are you seeing and how have you dealt with this time? And a really good question, Jamie. And, and uh, fortunately, um, uh, you know, mortgages are, mortgage brokers are essential service. Realtors are essential service. So the housing industry is still moving. Um, it's, it's values have dropped a little bit. And of course, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who were shopping that are now waiting on the sidelines to see what happens. So the number of buyers out there has dropped substantially, mm-hmm. but so has the number of sellers. So, I, you know, I don't think anybody in their right mind is thinking, you know what, now would be a great time to list my house. People are not listing their house unless they absolutely have to sell. But there still is a good proportion of buyers to sellers. So as long as we have that proportion in check, values will, values will not plummet. Values will, will stay relatively stagnant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're not going to see them start soaring, but we're not going to see them start plummeting either. They have dropped a little bit, but they have not plummeted. Um, uh, and it's funny because some, um, some listing, some, uh, some of the, my people that I have out there looking to buy, they're still going into multiple offers. They're still, uh, going into competitive offer situations. And, uh, so Homes are still selling above asking price, believe it or not. But uh, to really answer your question here about the pandemic and and um, and what I'm doing, um, mortgage rates have been all over the place. Mortgage rates were 
plummeting uh, early March, plummeting. And I was having everybody under the sun emailing me, calling me about how they can, is now a good time to switch their mortgage, is now a good time to get a lower rate. And it looked like they were going to continue going down further. And, but then all of a sudden, bam, we hit a, we hit a complete 180, like, uh, um, and there's all kinds of unprecedented things happening right now in the world, right? All kinds. And we had back on March 13th, the Bank of Canada made a surprising unannounced rate uh, announcement where they cut their their uh, central bank rate, their overnight rate, mm-hmm. uh, which is what prime rate is set off of. They cut that unexpectedly by half a percent. Now, it's rare for them to move any more than a quarter, but they moved a half a percent. So they dropped mm-hmm. it a half a percent. Now, at the same time, uh, Donald Trump was giving some speech that the the stock market responded to extremely well. The stock market started rallying uh, bond yields, which is what fixed mortgage rates are, uh, um, are set by bond yields started soaring as well. In fact, they went up 43% on that day, which was unprecedented. So we have the prime rate dropping by half a percent, and then we have the bond yield soaring. So prime rates dropping yet fixed mortgage rates are going in the opposite direction. Very, very unusual situation. So now we had these these rates that were looking like they were going to go below 2%. Now they all of a sudden start soaring. And every day we're starting to see more and more rate increases. It's like one lender increases the rates, then another lender increases the rates. So now we get everybody at the clamoring to try to uh, try to get a rate locked in before they increase uh, much more. And I've, you know, I was working 18 hours a day just trying to keep up with everything. So it was it was absolutely crazy for me. Now things have uh, rates had gone up. Now they're starting to drop back down again. So now's a good time to uh, to start, um, uh, you know, looking at, at putting a mortgage together, refinancing your current mortgage. Uh, switching your mortgage over to another lender, anybody who's paying more than 2.89, I would say on an interest rate, now would be a good time for them to uh, to start potentially looking at switching. So there's another opportunity for that right now. Mm-hmm. When rates did go up, uh, things started to level off a little bit for me. I could loosen my collar a little bit and work more uh, normal length days. And a normal length day for me is about 12 hours. So mm-hmm. uh, um but I, as rates start to to get lower again, it's it's looking like things are going to heat up uh, heat up a lot again. Uh, pretty so, soon. so Paul, I have a question. So, yeah. uh, in the mortgage mortgage industry, and for people, um, you know, homes, home loans, whatever, it is now a good time to fix those interest rates for an extended period. What's your view on fixed versus variable interest rates? And it's and that's a, yeah, yeah, and that's and that's a great question. And and uh, whenever someone comes asking a fixed or variable, which is of course a very common question, it mm-hmm. really comes down to the person, right? So whenever you have um, a variable rate, you have to be comfortable with the fact that the rate floats with prime. When prime rate changes, so does your rate, and often so does your payment. So. Yeah. Um, some people prefer the certainty. They like to have that certainty of knowing that they have a low rate and a payment locked in, same payment mm. for the next five years, for example, mm-hmm. whereas others feel more comfortable with the, the variable rate where the, it does have the chance that it could go up. Uh, now, um, 
right now, now over the past 30 years, people have traditionally come out ahead with a variable rate mortgage. But um, right now, I mean, we're in a very different situation, of course. Uh, mm. Our economy has taken one hell of a beating. The whole global economy is taking one hell of a beating. Uh, there's basically um, no way that we're going to start to see this prime rate start to increase anytime soon. And I would say the prime rate's probably going to remain at its current level for at least the next two to three years. I wouldn't be surprised if it stayed that way for five years. Now, the government has uh, introduced a lot of stimulus, which could force inflation, but I think that that will remain in check. And uh, I mean, they the government has to do everything that they can do to limit that. And I think that the, the prime rate will be remaining at its level. Like I said, I'd be surprised if it increased at all within the next uh, three years. It's already at cl- pretty much close to zero. It's at a, uh, the central bank rate is at, in Canada, is a quarter of a percent. Mm. Um, our prime rate is at 2.45. So it's possible they could cut to zero, but I think likely it's probably going to remain the status quo for at least a couple of years. And that makes variable a very good option for a lot of people right now. Yeah. One of the things that changed, of course, in Canada a little while back, not too long ago, was the actual test for qualification for mortgage. How does that affect and is there any talk about reviewing some of those um, um, parameters for which I have to meet to get a mortgage? What has changed? Do you hear about any changes on the horizon? How is that affecting things right now? Well, a stress test is something, it's, it's, it's not a new concept necessarily. It actually came out in 2011 and uh, was applied to uh, variable rates and, uh, and mortgages with terms shorter than five years. And that's where to qualify for a mortgage, you have to qualify based on the uh, um, benchmark rate set by the Bank of Canada. It's actually either the higher of the benchmark rate or 2% above your contract rate, meaning the rate that your payments are based on. So right now, the benchmark rate is is, uh, uh, 5.04%. The uh, lowest five-year fixed rate available right now is about Mm -hmm. 2.59%. lower in some cases, in some cases we get down to about 2.29, but let's say 2.59. And uh, so 2% above that would be 4.59. So because the benchmark rate is higher at 5.04, people have to qualify based on their rates being uh, as if their payment was based on a 5.04 rate. So that means people will qualify for less money. Now that came out in 2011, but that was only on variable and uh, shorter terms, fixed rates you could qualify for the contract rate right up until November 30th, 2016, which is where things changed. Then after that, everybody had to qualify based on the, uh, the benchmark rate. So it's, um, it does have some, it of course does affect how much people will qualify for. They'd qualify for a lot more if they could qualify based on 2.59. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, in some cases they could get as low as 2.29. Um, but, uh, um, and they were looking at, they were looking at reducing it, but the reduction that they were, that they were going to introduce would really not have made much of a difference at all. Might've qualified people for maybe an extra $10,000, not very much. Gotcha. Not they did deal. make some similar changes here in Australia 
in the last 12 or 18 months. I think our uh, benchmark rate was around 7%, I believe, they had to qualify for. And they've, did, they've done it, it's uh, a few percent above the whatever the current rate is that you're being applying for now. So it goes up and down. Oh, I can't remember the exact number, but they made a similar change last year so that you weren't based on a fixed 7%. Mm-hmm. It was uh, on a, yeah, a variable scale, so it was a few percent above whatever the rate you're applying for, 2 or 3% or something along those lines. Gotcha. Here's something interesting. I mean, we work with a lot of entrepreneurs here. Heck, we're all entrepreneurs ourselves. How is it different in qualifying for a mortgage being an entrepreneur? I think that's a really good question. You know, you and I, we've had some other conversations, Paul, and it's one thing I've never asked. How is it different for an entrepreneur, whether it's a small business, medium-sized business or whatnot, how does that qualification process differ? Well, generally, when um, for people who are salaried or working for a company, then uh, a mortgage lender would want to see a job letter and a pay stub. If they earn any kind of bonus or overtime or commission or any type of non-guaranteed income, then they would do an average of the uh, of the last two years T4s, for example. Um, now, when you're self-employed, you don't have this job letter. You don't have the pay stub. Even if some people are self-employed, they own a corporation, they, they can issue themselves a job letter, they can issue themselves a pay stub, but they own the corporation, the, the self-employed rules have to follow. So in that case, they have to be, they generally have to be self-employed for a minimum of two tax years. So, and what we would look at is the uh, the average of their declared income. In some cases, that might be the line 150. And in a lot of cases would be the line 150. If that's their only income, then it would be average of, of the uh, the line 150. Um, in some cases, it might be an average of their, uh, of their net business income. Uh, other times, if they're incorporated, they might pay themselves dividends. It would be mm-hmm. an average of that. So it'd be an average basically of the last two um, completed tax years. Uh, and that's the average providing that the income is increasing. If it's decreasing, then it would be, it would just be the, the recent year. It would be the lower amount. Now, in some cases for people who are sole proprietors, people who are um, uh, in partnerships, we can then gross that number up by 15% to give them a little bit of a higher income because mortgage lenders understand people have write-offs. People who are self-employed, they have write-offs and they really make more money than what it is that they say. So uh, so we can gross that income up by 15%. Generally, when you have a corporation, that income cannot be grossed up because it's understood that all their write-offs are going to be within their corporation, mm-hmm. which makes sense. So now, if, you have, if someone has less than two years self-employment, then there are... Um, there are some programs that we could still potentially uh, get them qualified. Just every situation is kind of looked at on a case-by-case basis. Excellent. And it's great that you've got that information. That's one thing that, you know, myself as a, you know, as a, as an entrepreneur, you know, part of a corporation, whatnot, understanding if I wanted to purchase that second home or third home or whatnot, just kind of what's involved. I've never really looked into it before. I didn't really have to worry about it before. But you giving me that information, I think that would be a question that's on a lot of entrepreneurs' minds. Heck, what do I have to do? What do I have to start looking at? What you shared with us gives us some great insight, you know, especially with, you know, tax season. Hey, we're, we're in tax season right now. We've got that slight uh, delayment with the CRA. 
But if it's something where we've got to really look at it, if you're thinking about getting that mortgage, to make sure you're working with your accountant to be sure that what's reflecting through for your income, your dividends, whatnot, is going to be congruent. Can someone make some time with you or one of the members of the team to start to go through that and maybe start to put a plan in place if they're looking at purchasing a home? 100%. Yeah. And, and I always encourage, encourage everybody to, uh, to reach out to reach out to uh, myself or a member, any member of my team can, uh, can help them out if somebody's looking to, if they're even thinking about potentially purchasing a home soon, we're mm-hmm. happy to, to spend the time, talk them through that process, give them, talk some numbers with them, find out what they would be eligible to qualify for. Mm-hmm. We can usually pinpoint the amount that they would, they would uh, potentially qualify for from a phone conversation or just by email without checking credit or without, um, without actually looking at any documents. Now we still, before they go out seriously shopping, we still would want to check the credit because sometimes a credit bureau can contain surprises, right? So we would want to check that, make sure that looks good, take a look at some documentation, make sure the documentation looks solid because sometimes what, what is going through uh, a potential buyer's mind might be very different than what can actually happen in the mortgage world. Like, for example, let's say they, they're employed on a, um, they've been with a company, let's say, for the past five years, and then all of a sudden they decide to switch to a contract position with them and, and turn to uh, self-employment. They, you know, they register a corporation, they still work for the same company, but now their salary is being paid to their corporation. Well, guess what? Now they're newly self-employed. We don't have two years. We might only have two weeks. So that creates a problem. So, mm-hmm. but in the mind of that particular um, uh, client, they think their situation is fine. They're like, oh yeah, I make $100,000 a year. But what they don't realize is now they're considered self-employed and, and that income is no longer admissible. Now, these are one of those situations where we could potentially get uh, get an exception made and get them in with less than the two-year self-employment, but that that's definitely not guaranteed. I would mm-hmm. not send that person out shopping uh, for a home, telling them they're going to qualify for X amount. I would I would check with a couple of lenders. I'd get some documentation with them. Uh, we would take the time to find out, you know, what their exact options are going to be before we go and send them out. The last thing that we want to do is have someone go and get all excited about a property and and then find out that they can't get a mortgage on it. So we'll do everything, of course, that we can do to prevent that from happening. And, you know, we want people to have a great experience. Our motto is a better mortgage experience than you're going to get anywhere else. So, you know, we treat our clients like their own family. And I've, I've done that right from, right from when I started in this business. I've, I've treated, I, I had a lot, when I, before I came into this business, I had a lot of bad experiences working with the banks. So, uh, you know, I thought there had to be a better way. So we treat our clients the exact same way as we would want to be treated if we were getting a mortgage. I remember how I was treated back then. And, and I, when I started in this business, I'm like, people are going to have a different experience working for me. I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to, I'm going to give them the right advice. And, and uh, I've, built my business based on giving my clients the exact same advice that I would give my own mother if I was doing a mortgage for her. Mm. And that's interesting, Paul, that you um, bring that up right now because I, I was trying to buy an investment property or I am purchasing investment property. And some of these issues, I'm a part owner in a corporation. Um, 
worked with them for 14 years and a part owner now. And some of these challenges you're saying, you know, trying to lend and you're like, well, you're treated as self-employed, even though I'm only a part owner, I don't own it, but you're still self-employed. So it's not just as simple as like you say, go out, you've got, yeah, I still get a pay slip like most other employees, but because I'm part owner now, they consider you self-employed, which is um, very interesting that you've come on today. You know, this has all happened in the last few weeks. So it's, it's interesting to see um, that side of things. And, and yeah, you mentioned something else around not being able to take income into consideration. You might be able to shed some more light from the mortgage industry perspective, but we live in a town, in a mining town, um, and the banks have also said any rental income that you generate from your, from a mine, from a mining town can't be considered in your stress test or your affordability test uh, mm-hmm. due to the risk, I'm assuming. What, what can you... Um, can you shed any light on how that kind of stuff works? If there's any areas that are, there might be a similar thing in Canada, some areas where income is excluded or, or things like that. And that's a, that's a great question. Um, like if somebody has rental properties then, or if somebody's looking at buying a rental property, then only 50% of the rental income on that property can be considered. So mm. now there are some situations where we can use a little bit more and there, there are some situations where we can almost make it a wash. But if, if, if we're going to go down that road, options are very, very limited and uh, rates are quite a bit higher. As I mentioned, rates mm. are for an owner occupied property right now are ranging from about 2.29 um, um, to about 2.59. Uh, if, if you had to go with a, a tricky situation where it doesn't qualify using 50% of the rent and we had to go to this other option, then you're looking probably around 3.99%. So quite a big difference mm-hmm. in a rate. Now, historically speaking, 3.99% is still a good rate. It's just that we've been so accustomed now to these sub 3% rates that it sounds of course, extremely high, but, um, as far as other incomes, um, yeah, and that, and that's the thing, right? Like, like I like I said a moment ago, what seems to make sense to somebody who's looking for a mortgage, it might be different uh, as to what can actually be done. The mm. more, as I mentioned in my book, the mortgage industry sometimes defies common sense. It sometimes <laughs> defies logic, right? Like if somebody has, let's say. Uh, you know, someone might have a corporation and let's say they're showing a million dollars a year in, in, uh, in profit in this corporation, yet they're only declaring $10,000 in personal income. They're leaving everything in the corporation. Maybe they have $500,000 sitting in their bank account. Um, but they're only declaring $10,000. Well, guess what? It's that $10,000 income that's going to be considered not the million dollars in income coming from the corporation. Now from that client, that doesn't make any sense at all. And it doesn't make any sense. They have all this money in the bank. They've got all this money income in the corporation, yet all that a lender will look at is that $10,000. Now these are one of those situations where possibly some kind of an exception can be made, but it's certainly not a slam dunk. Mm. And like that doesn't defy logic because you think about that, all the money there, <laughs> Surely they'll loan to me, but then all of a sudden they won't. And that's, I suppose, one thing from the consumer's perspective and I suppose (coughs) a mortgage broker helps because you can explain all of that and say, well, that's actually not the case and this is the best way forward or or, or not. And that's that's really, really good. And 
the question I have, what do you see is the biggest opportunity in the next six to 12 months in your space or, or for people in real estate, mortgage, finance, like people, what do you see as the biggest opportunity from your perspective? Well, you mean the, the biggest opportunity for, for mortgage brokers and realtors? Yeah, yep. That, okay. That, so that or, that or for the everyday or for business owners, I suppose, yeah. Two parts of that question. What's the biggest opportunity in your space for mortgage brokers and realtors? And then what's the biggest opportunity that the everyday person can take advantage of in the next six to 12 months from your perspective? Of course. Well, I mean, I, I think I think for for anybody in, in mortgages or real estate, I think, um, I mean, there, it is a lot slower right now in our, our industry right now. Like I said, our rates are coming down. So now is a great time for people in this industry to, to seize that opportunity and contact their past clients about potentially potential money saving opportunities. So as I mentioned, anybody with a, a 2.89% rate or higher uh, with where rates have fallen right now, there could be opportunity to save thousands right now, depending on when your mortgage is coming up for maturity. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is a big opportunity for, for mortgage professionals to be contacting their existing client base because uh, they should be able to save a lot of people a lot of money right now. Um, as far as general uh, business people, people in general, uh, of course, there's a lot of people that are going through some extremely, extremely tough times right now. Uh, you know, everybody's situation is a little bit different. Um, and I think that uh, what we have to focus on is all the things that that we have to be grateful for what we do have to be grateful for that we have food available to us that we have roofs overhead there are some people in some countries right now they just can't get food so it's it's we have to be grateful for that i think there's a big opportunity for those people who are who are not working right now for them to learn new skills and to go online and to and to look at maybe building an online business. There's a lot of free time that a lot of people have. And the question is, how are they using it? They could, they could be um, um, studying material to better themselves. They could be studying the stock market. They could be studying, you know, if they, if they wanted to look at, at potentially, potentially learning a new career, they could go and start researching that. They could start reading books after book after book on on what field that they would be looking at getting involved in. Mm. And I think there's a huge opportunity um, for people to really move themselves forward once this thing's over and come out of this thing, a significantly stronger person. I think that's huge. One of the things that comes up that um, I, I kind of laugh at myself now, because I know the answer to this question, but I think it could be really valuable for our listeners and our viewers here on this hand, I've got bank. On this hand, I've got mortgage broker. Can you help me bridge the gap and really tell me what's the difference? I mean, my thought before, oh, mortgage broker, you can't go to those guys. It's something different. You have to go to your bank. That's what I was taught. That's what I was learned. But can you give us some more insights on that, the advantages, the opportunities of actually working with a mortgage broker? Of course, Jamie, and thank you very much for, for that question. Um, <clears throat> well, that's one of the reasons why I wrote my book, Beat the Bank, How to Win the Mortgage Game in Canada, to give people more insight on what their options are. Because 
there are so many people that they they don't know what their options are. They think that they have to go to the bank, or they think that um, they think that mortgage brokers are only for people that can't get a mortgage with a bank, or they think that um, they just think somehow that the mortgages through the bank are better. But the thing is, when you talk to somebody at the bank, and I'm not taking anything away from banks, there are some great people that work for the banks. Um, but uh, when you go in a, to talk to a bank, they're only going to talk to you about their own products. They're not going to tell you about products from, like, for example, if you walk into CIBC, they're not going to talk to you about products from Scotia or products from BMO or products from, uh, from any other mortgage lender. Whereas when you talk to a broker, well, we deal with many different mortgage lenders. So, so uh, you know, we deal with Scotiabank, we deal with TD Bank, we deal with uh, ICICI Bank, First National, MCAP. Uh, there's so many different mortgage lenders um, that we deal with. So we basically look at the situation and uh, uh, and help to determine which um, which lender would be best suited for that particular person. And all mortgages are not created equal. Some lenders have certain terms or restrictions that could come back and cost you thousands of dollars down the road. Like, um, and if you go to a bank, they're not necessarily going to tell you that this mortgage has this particular restriction, which could end up costing them a lot more money. Like, for example, uh, the penalty to break a fixed rate mortgage with a major bank could be as much as 500% higher, uh, could be as much as 500% higher than most of the monoline or non-bank lenders. Now, in some cases, I've seen it as high as 900% higher. I say 500 because that's a lot more common, right? It's not always the case, but it is often the case. Variable rate mortgage, it doesn't matter. It's usually three months interest, regardless of which lender you go to. But there are some lenders that will have some products where the, the variable rate penalty might be steep. So, and that's why it's important to, um, it's not just about bank versus broker. It's about going to the right, real, the right mortgage professional to help you out as well. Because the per, and it's great to have a low rate, uh, but rate is not the most important thing. It's the terms and conditions that is more important than rate. You could have a mortgage with a lower rate that could end up costing you thousands of more down, uh, thousands of more dollars down the road if you're not careful. Or it could be something that's that has some other restrictive that uh, st- restriction with it that keeps you locked in. So a decent mortgage professional is going to take the time to explain those things to you and give you various options and take the time to with you to help you determine which is going to be the best option for you. Now, um, like I, and another thing that's extremely important to consider is the, the mortgage professional that you hire. Because a lot of people, they'll just go into the bank, they'll sit down, they'll talk to whoever it is at the bank uh, that, that happens to be there. And they think, oh, because they work with the bank, they're getting the right advice and they're dealing with somebody who's knowledgeable and competent. Big mistake. The wor- and the worst thing that you could do is choose a mortgage based on the rate alone. There's so many different working parts with a mortgage and there's so many different uh, mortgage options out there. It's very important that you know what you're getting into when you sign your mortgage. Uh, A mortgage is one of the largest financial uh, decisions that you're ever going to make. So why would you just trust it to just anybody? 
just because they happen to be sitting there at the bank. The banks will often look at mortgage, uh, the role of a mortgage specialist as somewhat as an entry-level position. So it's always a good idea to take the time to ask that person how much experience that they have. Mm. And, and this applies not just to banks, but to brokers, because believe me, there's a lot of brutal, brutal mortgage agents out there. There is a lot of incompetence in this industry on both the bank and the broker side. And a mortgage is a hugely important thing. And if you're not careful, your mortgage could end up being a nightmare. So you want to make sure you take the time to choose the right person to handle that mortgage for you and take the time and ask the person questions. Ask them how long they've been in the business mm-hmm. for. Ask them, ask them who their own mortgage is with. Find out why they went with the uh with that lender as a mortgage that says a lot right there that's very interesting um last year last year a year before we had a banking royal commission here where they um investigated the banking mortgage broker industry and and they found um huge variances in best practice huge variances in uh, mortgage brokers like you say there's some uh brutal mortgage brokers out there in that they would uh will give weren't giving the best advice and there's been some laws around that they always have to work in the client's best interest now, regardless of commissions that are paid. And they found that the banks were selling products just to get at the sale. They're basically, the mortgage people were salespeople because they get paid commission on how many people they sign up to their products. So mm-hmm. the big banks got absolutely crucified over here. Uh, we've got four major banks and they got absolutely crucified over here because of those practices that they had in place. Um, and, you know, I could see the benefit of having a, a mortgage broker that if you choose the right one that's got your best interests at heart, you can really cut through all of that nonsense and find a product that's the best for you and not just the one that um, that salesperson. And that's basically what they are, mortgage specialists in a bank. They're selling you a, a product from that bank and they want the insurance to go with it and they want all the other things they tell you you need to have. Um, it's good to be educated but and, and that's, that's where choosing someone who's, uh, got the, I suppose, industries or the um, heart or interest in the, at the centre of what they do. Like yourself, you've made a book, How to Beat Them. You know, you're out there to try and make sure people get the best deal. Um, and the question I have, have you got, for someone choosing a mortgage broker, uh, what are the two or three questions that they need to ask the mortgage broker to make sure they've got the right one? Well, for one, I would ask um, I would ask how long they've been how long they've been in the business for. Um, I would ask them that. I'd ask, I'd also ask them how many mortgages they've closed in the past year, because somebody could have been in the business for ten years, or they could have been licensed for ten years, but they've only done you know maybe they do one mortgage a year. So they could mm. say they've been in for ten years, but if they've only done one mortgage a year, then they really don't have that much experience. Um, you also want to ask how promptly that uh, that you can expect your your questions to be answered. Mm. Um, you know, I, I've heard horror stories where people will go on vacation, and this this happens more with the bank. Someone goes on vacation, and then you know, the person just completely disappears and forgets about that person, and then a week later they come back. Or people are waiting days to get answers, or the person just disappears altogether. There's, uh, I mean, there's so many reasons why somebody should choose a, a quality professional. And, uh, and like you said there a moment ago, 
um, about, you know, the, the bank people being incentivized and pushing people into certain products. And that happens here too. And that happens with mortgage brokers too, right? We get paid on commission. Some brokers will try to steer you into a product that they make more money on, but it might not be what's right for you. And, and that happens, that happens a lot. That happens on both the bank side and the broker side. So that's something that you really got to watch out for because everybody you talk to is going to come out and tell you that they've got your best interests in mind. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, there's very few that really actually do take the time and actually really, really do care. And will like, I don't even, I don't even think about what our compensation is. We're like, what can we do? What is going to be the best product uh, for this particular client at this particular time? Because mm-hmm. we're not into just, uh, I'm not interested in just earning this person's business this one time. I want to earn it for life. And I want to build trust with that person. And I want them to, to feel comfortable with me and feel comfortable dealing with my mm-hmm. team that they know that they're going to get the right advice. Like I had a client call me last night and, and uh, I took the call and they wanted to look at switching. They were paying three plus percent on their mortgage. But in, in their particular situation, uh, it did not make sense for them to make any move. He really, really wanted to leave his bank, but I advised him to stay there for now. It does not make sense. I said, I would, I would love to earn a commission off him right now, but it doesn't make any sense. It's not in his best interest for him to make a move. Mm-hmm. So, and I advise people that all the time. Like I said, we want to build. We want to build um, our clients for life. We're not just interested in in earning someone's business this one time around. There are times when we'll say, "No, you should go to this lender. You should go to that lender," and sort of things that we don't have access to. Some cases will be like, "You know what? I would just go back and talk to your bank because I think your bank will be able to put you in a better position than what we what we'll be able to do for you right now." So it's all about giving people the right advice. And that can be very hard to find um, somebody, uh, somebody who will, who will um, actually have that much care towards their clients. That is very, very valuable. And, and I thank you for sharing that. And I can see watching you here share that answer, that real true passion coming behind it to make sure that your clients are taken care of. Even if it means, hey, you know what? I'd love to have your business, but it doesn't make good sense to make that switch right now. Now, I want to shift gears for a second because I want to be respectful of your time. But the one question that comes up that I'm curious about, season two, million dollar listing. My brother, what was it like to be on TV? (laughs) Yeah, so it was was, uh, season two, top million dollar agent. Million dollar listing is the American uh, version. This is the Canadian version. And and, yeah. um, I mean, it was, it was great. It was, uh, it was a, a great experience. And, and, uh, of course, yeah, yeah, you have fun and I'm just kind of doing what I do best and that's giving people mortgage advice on the show. And, um, you know, I remember, uh, I think it was, um, there was a bunch of episodes that we shot from, from my boat. And, and, uh, um, I remember one day we, we were shooting a bunch of episodes in one day and, and or a bunch of scenes with, with me in, in one day. And I had to take my boat over to another Marina and it, it um, I tried to take it over the night before so I could be well rested, have everything, uh, you know, be ready to go in the morning. But we encountered the worst rainstorm that, that, uh, we've ever encountered heading over. So we had to turn back, 
And uh, we were supposed to start shooting at nine o'clock in the morning. And it was about an hour and a half boat ride where I had to go. So we had to get up like super early, head over. And, uh, and uh, I was all stressed out by the time we got there. So, you know, I just had to relax, take a few deep breaths and, and get ready to shoot the show for, uh, for when the crew showed up. But, um, but yeah, for, for, that was a little challenging, but, uh, for the most part, it's, uh, shooting that show was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun being on the show. It was, uh, a, a lot of great guys and, and, uh, a lot of great people on that show. And, and, uh, it was, it was great to be able to, uh, to be on national TV, um, doing what I do best. And That's excellent. I'm curious, what impact did being on that show have on your business and your, and your brand and, and your performance, I suppose, your, your mortgage broker business? Excellent question. And being on a show like that is not something that is going to, it's not like your phone will start ringing off the hook from being on that show. And I knew that going in because people see you as the guy on TV. They don't necessarily think that you're attainable, that they can just simply call, pick up the phone and and call you or Google search your name and get you on the phone or get, get you, uh, get an email back, uh, uh, relatively quickly or sometimes even instantly and often instantly. Um, so a lot of people, they don't necessarily think that, but what it does is it builds, uh, it, it gives me a lot of credibility. Um, I think people like to deal with the guy who they saw on TV and, uh, <laughs> it's great to say on our website that, you know, I'm, I'm on this show. People know, uh, people know who I am. Uh, so, uh, between that and the book, I, I think that helps to, uh, position me as an expert in the industry. That's outstanding. Now, of course, we want to know how we can get a hold of you, how we can get in touch with you or your team, and where can I get your book? Why don't you share that information with us right now? Let us know where we can do all those things. Fantastic. So, um, my website is www.easy123mortgage.ca. Fairly simple. Um, anybody wants to call me directly, they can, uh, my cell phone number is 416-409-8009, or they can call my office number. And, uh, you know, normally I would give that out, but, um, and they can still call that number. It's for, it goes to a member of my team, 647-368-5009. That might be a better number to call because my cell does not always get picked up because I'm, like I said, I'm working long hours all the time. I'm always on the phone constantly. So uh, sometimes email might be better. And uh, my email address is Paul M, P A U L M, at CityCan, C I T Y C A N as in Nancy, dot com. And uh, so they can reach out to me by, uh, by email at any time as well. The book, uh, Beat the Bank, How to Win the Mortgage Game in Canada, they can find on uh, Amazon.ca, uh, ChaptersIndigo.ca, uh, or, you know, not that anybody's going into any bookstores now, but they can get it from bookstores too. I'll have a question, Paul. Um, obviously, you're really successful in Canada. Do you have any connections with any people that share similar values to you uh, here in Australia that are Australian uh, viewers can access. It's okay if you don't, but I thought I'd ask. Being in the mortgage industry, you might have someone over here that uh, has similar values that you you connect with. I would I would absolutely love uh, to give you a name, but unfortunately, I uh, I don't have any uh, any connections out that way. And that's okay. 
Sounds like an opportunity for a collaboration. That's what, that's what I think. With that, said, with that said, Paul, I know you've got to get on your way. I really sincerely want to thank you for making the time to be on here today. Uh, the information you shared, the knowledge, the, the, the massive amount of tidbits that you were able to share out was humongous. We're going to be sure to get the links posted in the posts with all your contact details. If there's anyone out there that needs to get a hold of Paul, that's even considering looking at a mortgage, I know he'd be more than happy to help you out. With that said, thank you so much again. It has been our absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for, uh, for inviting me on. And uh, it's been my pleasure uh, talking to you guys and uh, sharing some information. Hopefully uh, people learned a lot and, uh, and we'll, uh, um, we'll make the right decisions with their mortgage. Thank you all. Thank you, Paul. It's been uh, loads of value and absolutely fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on, sharing all of that. Um, so everyone, goodbye. We'll see you again next Saturday. Have an outstanding weekend.